you are listening to Fanfare Tracks. They love you. You know. This is Princess Leia Organa. You're listening to Planet Leia. Permission is granted to land on Planet Leia. Brought to you by Fanthatrax. Here are your hosts, Claire Henry and Johanna Nibielius. Welcome to the latest episode of Planet Leia. We've been out of action for a couple of weeks now, only because there has been, as if you've listened from previous episodes, a very special occasion followed by a lovely getaway for my co-host, Johanna. Last episode, we were talking about weddings and then, as if by magic, I got married. Have you changed your surname? And uh, not yet. I actually sent in the papers today that I'm going to add and have a double name. So both with me, me having a very unique name that's my only my family. And then I'm adding his name. But I sent in the paperwork because I had to go to on a trip abroad and I w- needed to use my old passport. And that trip was last weekend. So now I've sent in the in the paperwork. Tell us all how was the wedding? Did it go super? Was it great? It was great. It was superb. I wouldn't mind doing it again because it was so much fun. It was in September and it was grey, but it didn't rain when we were taking our photos. And I guess that's about as good as we could get considering the weather around that, those days. So it was nice. And I did manage to get a Star Wars reference in because when we went out from the church, we had two of my friends holding lightsabers over our heads. So there was a Star Wars reference in the end. Yay! We have really nice photos of us just outside the church doors, kissing under two red lightsabers. Oh, you went dark. Yeah, well, I'm thinking that's more about the friends than me. So I I asked for lightsabers. <laughs> I Considering my friends, I wasn't surprised that they were red. And, you know, I think I know more darksiders than lightsiders. And I believe they matched your shoes as well. They were golden and sparkling. Oh. Didn't go for any white shoes, no. And they were our favourite make, a regular choice. Yes. The best shoe company ever, in my opinion. I just love them. And what about your wedding dress? Did you get it all completed in time? It got all completed like half an hour before I went to the hairdresser on the morning. (laughs) So Yeah, it was. No, I had a problem with that. I had ordered some buttons and they didn't arrive. And like the Tuesday before the wedding day, I decided I can't wait for the buttons, so I handmade all the buttons instead. In oh the end, I got, got quite angry with it because if I'd taken that decision, I would have been finished several weeks before, but I wanted to wait for the buttons, and I didn't. The dress was, and I was very happy with it, so quite a simple thing, just like no lace. I hate lace. That's a very personal thing, so just simple, but in a very rich satin with a boat neck and three-quarter sleeves, and then down to the ankles and so, and then I had a very wide purple and gold band around the waist. I am looking forward to seeing the photographs when they are yes. officially released. Yeah, we haven't gotten them from the photographer yet, so we're still waiting for them and then I will probably go out with a lot of photos to show them. So unlike Princess Leia then, you didn't go for the green dress? No, I'm not an elf. 
So what did you think of the dress? When I saw Leia's wedding dress and all those released photos, I mean, we were talking about it. You had read the book and you had the descriptions. And then just a few days after we had recorded it, they released the official images of it. It was a nice dress, but it felt like it was designed by someone who didn't know like the fashion in the galaxy far away. And, de- and they definitely didn't know about old round fashion. It missed so much that is traditionally seen as old round. It was a nice dress, more suited for an elf than a fierce princess in general from Alderaan. I, I was going to say that I felt it looked like it should have really been in um, Lord of the Rings or yes. Game of Thrones. It did not sit with uh, Star Wars at all, or even if you'd have seen Kenobi and what they yeah, were wearing. You see Bre- yeah, what you see when you see Breha, and that's the thing. We have so many examples of kind of Alderaan fashion, and that wasn't it. No. It seems like in all round, you really like this fairly still simple. Yeah. But when you do have decorations, they always have a meaning. Like you have the symbols of either all round or something else. It's always symbolic. And there you had like, it would have been so simple just to take that gown and add some seals or some sigils from all round. And it would have been so, that would yeah. have been the easiest way of just turning it. It's somewhat something that goes back to, what Breha or Bale would have worn. Yeah. And they always have some something on, usually a belt or something with a symbol on. I was, I, I'm not going to lie, I was a bit disappointed in, in the releases. I thought, as you say, beautiful dress, better on Galadriel than Princess Leia. Yeah. I mean, her hair, yeah, I get it. It's yeah. so, sort of a I, nod. I get it, like, it, it, it's okay. So, I mean, we see her on Endor in that dress and she has all her hair out. But yeah, it it was like, yeah, nice. Something you would see is like every Renaissance fair. Yes, absolutely. You would have seen it in a a reenactment fair, I shall say, because I can't say Renaissance tonight, although you did have said it. And the crisscrossy boots, the fur boots, yeah, could have done better. If we'd have put them on the British Sewing Bee, I think, and said, here's your brief, I think we would have got a better image or a better one than that. But I am quite sure... We will see plenty of them in celebration. Yes. I mean, I have already seen some of them who made it now for Dragon Come. I saw some photos of versions of it. So, And did they and look all, all right? I don't think they really come down to what the right fabric is yet. What would you, you say need, is the fabric for it? I would go for something like a chiffon or a georgette, a matte flowy fabric. And chiffon yeah. is easier to work with than georgette. So a matte flowy sheer fabric that you need to have a lot of and then you need to gather it all together to make it opaque and you need some kind of lining under it as well. I've seen some version that looks like satin and that doesn't sit right and it doesn't sit right and it doesn't flow. So if I were to make it, then I'm not. Even if it's a nice dress, I don't really feel like it. I would go for like underdress and line and then a lot of chiffon that you put to, that you make yeah. some kind of sharing or something. If you look at the back image of the dress, it almost looks like crap as well in a funny yes. sort of way. And that yeah. would be an absolute pain in the backside to try and put that gold pattern on it. That certainly would be a challenge. Hi, this is Julie Dolan, the voice of Princess Leia. And you're listening to Fanthatrax. It's your only hope. Tales of the Jedi, another cartoon. Again, people are criticizing it, et cetera, et cetera. But do you know what? There's a market for there. Apparently, for those who've watched it so far, the, the feedback has been really good. 
the galaxy and the fandom is splintered and fractured in that way that, you know, there's cartoons, there's books, there's live action TV, almost so much that it's too big. You have to focus on what you like. I mean, that's the big and that's a great strength as well. If there's some things you don't like, and yes, there are definitely Star Wars things that I don't like. And I don't have to worry about them. I can just go on with enjoying the Star Wars that I like and then let people enjoy whatever they like. Yeah. I mean, that's why I really hate with all the complaints and all the toxic fandoms because there's so much. You can't hate everything. If you're a Star Wars fan, there must be something that you like. Concentrate on that and just leave what you don't like behind. Exactly. Get over it. And if there is nothing that you do not like anymore, there's nothing, then walk away. Don't go on Twitter and fill my Twitter feed up with all your nonsense. Just walk away and don't complain. Your time is clearly up with Star Wars. So as they say, move along, move along. Let's get on to what we're really enjoying about Star Wars at the minute. And that's Andor. So far, what I've seen, oh, I like it. It's exactly what I hope for. So I was very lucky to get to see the press release of it. So I watched it on the IMAX and screened the first three episodes. The first episode would not have held anybody, even the most fervent of Star Wars fans, I think. Things didn't pick up until the third episode. It was a very slow start. But I think still it was a good decision. You had a lot of character building, but yes, it was slow. I mean, even I as a Star Wars fan felt like, come on, is there something going on here? What's happening? What's going on? Where's the rebellion? But it has now progressed and got better and deeper into the spy, espionage, political thriller that I hoped it was going to be. Yes, and it's dirty. Andor is just like we see in Rogue One, where he starts off with basically shooting the nervous rebel. The rebel, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he is not a nice guy. Or rather, he is a nice guy but he's prepared to do a lot of bad things. Yeah, I feel that we get to see the idyllic life that he had to start off with and then was taken away and and rescued, so to speak. I mean, they see it, she or she sees it as a mercy mission to rescue, you know, this boy. The cast, I could be watching any HBO, BBC drama with that pace, that quality of acting and the quality of screen and scope. I definitely think this is the best acting we've seen in any Star Wars series so far. You look at a cast and you realise you have seen a lot of these actors before because they are in so many top quality British productions because they are such good actors. I recognise that face, I reckon, but it's still, it, it is, I'd say, the best ensemble cast that we've had so far. Absolutely. And the the range and the nods to the prequels, etc. And and I know we're going to get more coming in, you know, they're saying Adam Tuddix, he's he'll be in it. But Fiona Shaw as Cassian's stepmom, shall we say? Possibly she's mom. a hard-nosed cow, isn't she? But with a heart of gold who really wants mm. to protect Cassian. Yeah. And she plays that so well. She did it in Killing Eve with her own son, and she's doing it now in our Andor. And, and it's also and, so wonderful, I mean, to just see her. You see this woman who's sure she was a tough cookie when she rescued Andor from Canary, but 
they have lived all this very hard life on their planet, industrial planet, just trying to get by. And I loved when we saw her talking about, no, no, I'm saying I'm going to fight. We need to fight. It's like, yes, this is the spark of the rebellion. And I love to see that it's like, that was really that got me shivering. They're like, wow. And I feel like if we're going to touch a bit on like modern politics as well, you feel like this, there, there is a way where all you realize that a people that's been oppressed, they realize we can't be more oppressed. <laughs> we have to do something about it now. And that was so, and it was yeah. her who really sold that idea that Nana, now the empire has gone too far. And also like the hope of knowing someone has tried to, do something about it now I can do it myself the link between Marva and Luthen Ryle played by Stellan their dynamics where he's pinpointed Mom Mothma as Mm. a game changer Mm. a political influencer uh, somebody who can work the room that relationship she's petrified isn't she yeah. mom mothma yeah, which is and I mean, a different mom mothma to the one that we see in the return of the jedi yes yeah. or even in rogue one i mean i feel so sad for mom mothma because i mean at the start of Endor, she is still an idealist sure sure she has been in like against palpatine ever since revenge of the sith obviously but you still feel like she has really thought that politics will save the day, the good will win. And now you really start to realize that, no, I can't just do petitions in the Senate. We have to start acting. I need to get my money out. And you definitely feel like she's going to lose her family. A hundred percent. And I think the daughter as well. You can see that dynamics is there. there. There's something going on with the daughter. And I can't work out whether she's just a stroppy teenager. I think she's a stroppy teenager that has realized that she doesn't want to be like her mom. She wants, she is probably siding with her father for some reason. Mom Mothma is going to have to choose and she will lose her family and she will fight. I mean, there's a reason why we see her so sad, her Rogue One and Return of the Jedi, not just because all the buttons died. There's a sorrow to her. She has clearly made a lot of sacrifices personally herself. And you can see from this lifestyle that people are envious of. And and actually she's in amongst it saying, you know, it's all this, all that. The introduction in the previous episode of her friend Tay is an interesting dynamic. I think that he's going to play a lot in the coming episodes to try and enable the rebellion. I mean, the thing is, is we know what happens, don't we? We know what happens from Rogue One, from Star Wars, right up to the Return of the Jedi. We know exactly what happens. We know that Mon Mothma is successful in her mission to destroy the Empire and to take down Palpatine. What she's going to be doing is another thing. At this precise moment in time in Andor, she doesn't know what, when she was speaking to Luthen in the shop, she said, people are going to get hurt. We can't do this. And he turns around and says, that's my aim. Yes. And, you know, later on, she is a lot more ruthless. I mean, we definitely see her losing her, I wouldn't say innocence, because you don't get to be an imperial senator without playing the political game. But you see her losing her naivety, like... It's not enough with another petition. You have to do something about the empire. That is what we're going to see in Ender. We will see all the pieces assemble. 
the robbery. They don't have the good equipment. And I mean, it doesn't look like a rebellion that can have a squadron of X-Wing flying into a big space battle yet. And I mean, they will have to assemble those. And I really hope that we will see that. It's a real ragtag assemble at the minute, but clearly Luthan has got a bigger, wider plan. It will be interesting to see those rebels hiding out for so long to steal that money. Clever, so clever. And executed, you know, with the thoughts and everything, but they obviously needed Andor or Cassian to come in and and help them out a bit. And again, the cast who was in that, such great actors. I mean, you know, the ever hopeful one who had his um, manifesto. It was so doomed. I mean, we're like, okay, he's talking about his idealism. There's no way he's going to survive this. But yeah. Cassian has that manifesto. Yeah. Will we see later on Cassian reading this manifesto and thinking, this is why we're doing it. The pieces are starting to fall into place for Cassian. He's starting to see and understand why you have to stand up to it. You know that he was arrested and sent to prison for six years. Years, yes. For nothing. For nothing. I did think that that was going to be K2SO. I mean, that was the big laugh when you see that silhouette of K2SO coming like, yeah! No, it's just one of all these droids. For everything in one location, daily news, reviews, interviews, podcasts, video and social media feeds, bookmark fathatracks.com. For Star Wars News 24-7-365. The political intrigue of this, although I'm saying that, given that I'm living in the United Kingdom at the minute and we're now on our third prime minister, and I think my education department's on its seventh education minister, but I never thought the politics would ever be so interesting as it has been so far portrayed through Star Wars. I mean, I always remember George Lucas saying about the prequels, he got slated, didn't he, for making it quite political, the prequels. That was what I liked. And when you had books leading into the prequels, I love the ones who were really about a lot of the politics. And maybe that's the thing. Because as much as George Lucas is a visionary, he isn't the best in writing dialogue and directing dialogue. No. Now it feels like we have people who can direct political dialogue and acting as well and doing it interesting. And also they have more time. I mean, when it's different when you have a whole series to comparing it to have two hours where you also need to have a lot of fighting and battles and everything going on. So Star Wars is fast paced and that, Star Wars films pacing isn't the best for political intrigue, but now we do get a chance to really dwell and go deeper into the politics. We've seen pieces of it, haven't we? But we really didn't see the politics of it all until we got to the prequels, the intrigue and the the way that what seemed to be a democracy turns on its head and somehow a dictator gets involved in it and the wool is pulled over people's eyes. It's yeah. It was that one. And then you move in to see it in Rogue One when you read the books related to Rogue One. And then you see the aftermath of the return of the Jedi, etc., through Princess Leia's eyes. Yeah. Uh, so there's quite a, a journey, isn't there? That is one thing I would say. I mean, 
how democratic is the Senate really? Sure, every planet gets a senator, but how are the senators elected? And, and you can see that Mon Mothma and Andor trying to work the room to get the votes that what she needs. And we all know, because we, we know what's about to happen, it's fruitless. And almost to a point, and she says it herself, she knows it's fruitless too. But if she's seen to be doing this, they then that's how I suspect her for doing more things behind the scenes. Exactly. And it's so smart. So well thought out. And that's clearly what makes her probably, I'm going to say, the greatest leader in the Star Wars galaxy. Yes. And also, I would say, if you think about, I mean, this is one thing that's interesting, the vision within Star Wars. I mean, we know more female politicians than we know male. I mean, if you're going to go, at least if you're going to go with like the human senators, we have Senator Palpatine, Bail Organa. Then we don't really have a lot of names that just pop up as, oh, those are the senators. But if you go to, to Chancellor Valorum, but with the female main characters, there are politicians. You have Amidala, you have Leia, you have Mon Mothma. They are foremost politicians that sometimes have to take up battle as well. Yeah, now, yeah. this could definitely be, I mean, a gender issue. Because what do we see the men as? We see the men as warriors. They are the Jedi Knights. They are leading the battles well it's for like oh women are a bit maybe more suited to politics there is a gender issue here that the men are portrayed as warriors and the women as politicians it has Correct. gotten better Correct. we have talked about it in earlier episodes like with the pilots and stuff and stuff like that but it's still there and it's probably why we know more female politicians but it is interesting why Mon Mothma I, I find her so fascinating because yeah if you, if you compare, I mean, the senators that we know for now, like if you take the big one, like Amidala, Leia, Mamotma. Leia, sure, she was a prodigy. I mean, getting to be a senator at that age. But at the same time, I mean, she is the daughter to the queen and the viceroy. She is really born into it. Amidala, I mean, she was elected queen when she was, what is it, 14. I have very big doubts yeah. about the democratic system of Naboo. When Manmatma, I'm sure she's definitely part of the elite back on our home planet. And she's older. She's older than both Amidala and Leia was. When she was 16, she started her political career and that she was married the previous year to her husband. So you've but, read but still, the see- books by Claudia Gray, mm-hmm. the Princess Leia one. She meets Holdo. Yeah, at their young but training the to young. be a senator, that it almost is their destiny. But that's the thing, though, with Mon Mothma, even if she started her political career at 16, that's a lot older than Amidala Leo. Still more her choice, and she was a bit more mature than they were when they were just destined to become politicians. I mean, 16 is still young, but it's not unfeasible, like even in our world, that you get politically involved as a teenager and then you can rise within your political party and I mean at least in Sweden we definitely have had ministers that have been in their 20s so it's not impossible yeah. even if there are a lot fewer people in Sweden than there is in a huge galaxy I get a feeling she's not born into it the same way as Leia was or <coughs> trained into it the same way as Amidala was. I think the dynamics and the sacrifices that she's going to make 
you do get the feeling that her marriage isn't in the best state already. And we learned that it was an arranged marriage. Even if you got married at 16, what are they now, like in their late 30s? It's not strange if they have grown apart. Not too many like high school sweethearts hold on and get married and live happily ever after. They said they married before she they moved to Coruscant. I have to say, Genevieve O'Reilly is absolutely smashing it. I'm hoping if there's a if there is an actor that it comes to celebration, I really, really, really hope she comes. I think definitely it's my favorite series so far within the Star Wars universe. Yeah, I mean, I actually thought Obi Wan was going to be mine. Yep. And I thought, no, you can't beat that. That's the background story to Princess Leia. I'm really, really enjoying Andor. And every time it finishes, I put on Bloomin' Rogue One to watch. Yeah, and then, you know, how it all ends. Hey, this is Lauren Mary Kim, and you're listening to Fantha Tracks. Kenobi was great, but it built so much on the fact that, oh, it's Obi-Wan Kenobi. I love Obi-Wan Kenobi. We get to see him. We get to see Darth Vader. The strength of Andor is that it explores new themes. It explores new things we haven't seen before. And it's my kind of things. As much as Boba Fett and The Mandalorian, well, especially The Mandalorian, are great series, I'm much more drawn to this with the political intrigues, with the rebellion going on compared to a lone bounty hunter going around doing his thing. Yeah, as Rogue One was, it's a grown-up Star Wars. It's dirty. You have to think about it. You cannot sit down and watch this with any distractions. You have to watch it from the start to the finish with no distractions. And it draws you in. in that. It certainly draws me in in that situation. And the fact that the one character I have the most sympathy for that I really feel sorry for all the time is Cyril. I mean, the, the security officer that gets out of his job, even if it was because he tried to massacre a lot of innocent people and he wasn't good at it. When he's so down and he's on Coruscant and he's just looking into this bleak future, I mean, that's the one that makes me cry. And he's the bad guy. I really like you still have sympathy for him, even though he is hell bent on getting at Anne Cassian. His convictions about what's right and what's wrong is taking him on a path that is not going to end well for him, I'm going to say, probably. But I like him. I feel much more sad for him than I do for Andor. And it also goes for Dedra. I find that she's really intriguing and I have no idea if she's going to go rise through the ranks and become a really high officer or if she's going to defect. They are working in a system. They are so probably brought up into it that they have lost their moral compass. And she's really trying to find this rebellion more out of a curiosity. She wants to find a pattern, what's going on. But I don't think she's really has thought about what the Empire is actually doing. So... They are intriguing characters, and I think that's the no, first time and- I really feel that for the bad characters, that they are interesting as well. I have my mother-in-law over at the minute, and she loves watching history programmes. We were watching the other night the end of the Nazi empire and the whole intrigue and everything surrounding those last days of that. And... As you said, their moral compass was gone. They did not value life whatsoever in that sense. 
And they've taken that element of it in the empire and these men sitting around with their, you know, their uniforms and their this and their that and their condescending manners. And, you know, let's just give a man six years for literally walking up a set of stairs. I'm like you. I think she may defect. You know, what was the motivation behind Lieutenant Gorn? He died for it. You know, he was prepared to to do that. He defected and he did that. So I think we'll see all these sort of motivations coming through. I'm going to say that I would agree with you. Andor is definitely the best one so far. And I know we keep saying this every time a new series (laughs) has come out, but isn't that testament to how Lucasfilm are getting to grips with being on this platform? I would just go back a bit to like comparing to Kenobi that we loved. One thing that makes Andor better than Kenobi is the fact that we have much more interesting villains. I mean, you had the female Inquisitor in Kenobi, but she has really been like, okay, she was just a hunter. And of course, she had a backstory, but you didn't feel like that was a character that could grow for several seasons. And then you had Darth Vader, and we all know Darth Vader. These are the new characters yeah. that you don't know what's going to happen with them. I felt the Inquisitor was very two-dimensional. There was no depth to her character, whereas these characters and the acting that comes with it, there is depth, there's breadth, there's curiosity about where they're going to go, what their motivations are. I mean, we haven't we haven't even really touched on Val. And her part in the rebellion. No. And her partner, you know, we haven't we haven't even touched on, on on them yet, you know. And and but they're in they're in the background again and they're another another layer. I didn't I didn't recognize Belle when she showed up on Coruscant. <laughs> I like scrubbed up, that, scrubbed up well, and, didn't and she? then they were talking about, oh, it's Belle. Woo, she has taken a shower. Yep, scrubbed up well, as they would say in Northern Ireland. She's got her best on for, for going out. But again, this yeah. is a multi-layered show. And with Val, the fact that she can go from that bush warrior living on the hillside and being right at ease in Coruscant tells that she has quite an interesting backstory as well. I didn't think they could get any better than Kenobi or Rogue One, and I think they probably have nailed it on the head with Andor. What's really attracting me to Andor is the fact it's about ordinary people which makes it hard to watch because you could be the imperial officer that goes through the rank you want to do a career do what's good it's just that you've brought up in a system where good is evil it's so in and i have always been drawn more to the non-force side of the star wars galaxy i mean i always prefer the pilots to the jedi knights and with endor when you watch it you have to start thinking what would you do yourself if you lived in this galaxy yeah. Would you just hunker down hoping that no one will notice me? Are you the one who would go and try to make a career in the Empire, even if you don't think that you're evil? We all wish that we are the ones who would go on and do the rebellion against the Empire. But in most cases, we are not. That's the good thing about Andor. It is all about the people. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing where and how it moves on and goes on with it. And I will say one thing. I am still thinking, like, my husband 
who refuses to watch Star Wars or whenever I try to sit him down, he leaves and goes and do other stuff. And you married him? Yes, I married him. It's like when I go to ski jumping things and he just says, it's good that spouses have different hobbies. When I try, will get him to watch Star Wars, it will be Andor and Rogue One. For a person who's not into fantasy science fiction, I think these are the ones, really strong dramas. That yeah, they are the gritty, strong dramas that, yeah. that would get you involved and into it, isn't it, really? Just love it. Fabulous to talk Star Wars again. Yeah. As always, as always. If you have anything that you would like to get Johanna and I to talk about or any topics that you think would be interesting from a female point of view, then don't hesitate. Email us at news at and tell us what you'd like to hear us chatting about or if there's anybody that in particular that you would like us to talk to. Who knows, by the powers maybe, we may be able to get somebody on the show to sit and chat with us about Star Wars. I'm going to leave it over to Johanna to say thank you to everybody. So for me, thanks for listening and over to you, Johanna. Thanks for listening to Planet Leia. And if you want to be a part of the action and stay updated on all the latest Star Wars news, visit Fantatracks.com or check out the free Fantatracks app through the App Store to follow us on your mobile device. You can reach out to us and send in your listener question by emailing radio at Fantatracks.com. Comment, like, share on any of our social media feeds at Fantatracks and be sure to subscribe. Leave a review, preferably a five-star one. On Amazon Music, Audible, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcatcher or smart speaker of choice. And as always, thanks to James Sample for composing the Fantatracks intro and opening music, and Mark Daniel and Vanessa Marshall for our voiceovers. Remember to tune in to Good Morning Tatooine live Sunday evenings at 9pm UK, 4pm Eastern and 1pm Pacific on Facebook and YouTube with extra live episodes Thursday nights while new episodes arrive on Disney+. Plus. And check out our Fantatrex Radio Friday night rotation every Friday at 7pm UK for new episodes of the Fanta from Down Under, Planet Leia, Desert Planet Discs, Starter Engines, Collecting Tracks, Cannon Fodder and special episodes of Making Tracks. And every Tuesday at 7pm UK time for your weekly episode of Making Tracks. Thanks for listening, everybody. We love you. We know. Coming up next on Fanta Tracks Radio, it's Making Tracks.